travellers, and welcome to our podcast, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Now, travel, of course, relies largely on machines, and machinery breaks down, as we've already seen with our podcast recording today. Apparently, the first rule of podcasting is never do a podcast about mechanical breakdowns because something will go wrong but we'll try and soldier on we are looking at breakdowns great and small from the moment you first sense that something isn't quite right until oh the worst breakdown i've had it it probably in germany in my ngb in the middle of middle of nowhere and then our tow truck broke down and so (laughs) someone then had to go to the nearest town and get another truck. Two breakdowns in foreign lands. Let's see if we can get to 19 breakdowns by the end of the programme. Of course, a breakdown is mostly what you would never want to suffer when you're travelling. But sometimes when things go tango uniform, it's not always as bad as you might expect. A good failure can even make rather than break a journey. Yeah, we've got some um, positive breakdown tales for later. And I'd also like to um, confess to breaking another podcasting rule, which is never have your glass of water too close uh, to your computer, because I managed to uh, knock one over just before we started recording. And I think the water is probably seeping into the works as we speak. But anyway, fingers crossed we can get through to the end. Um, And let me first... um, say thank you to everyone who's been in touch on our brand new Twitter feed. I've really enjoyed reading your suggestions for travel films to supplement the ones that uh, we aired in last week's podcast. Uh, Here are some suggestions. Around the World in 80 Days, All is Lost, which I seem to remember featured Robert Redford as a lone sailor. Um, And uh, here's a message from True Travels, which says... Just listen to your travel films episode. We like the beach, though, as is usually the case, the book is better than the film. Personally, I'd say that the beach is better than the book, which is indeed uh, better than the film. You can go and discover it in normal times. It's uh, Koh Phi Phi Lay in southern Thailand. And if you want to complete the circle, of course, watch the film before you go there and then join one of the tours, which is taking you around the real thing. Oh, well, that's very good advice, uh, Simon, obviously for the future. Uh, the reason that uh, I was struck by this particular tweet was that it agrees with my view that in general, uh, when a good travel book is made into a film, the film rarely does it full justice. And I was trying to work out why this was. After all, you'd think that uh, being able to put beautiful landscapes uh, and uh, interesting cities and all those visual things into a film would enhance the experience, but somehow it doesn't seem to do it. I agree. Uh, And maybe that's what's always been the problem with travel television, um, that simply putting images on screens isn't quite the same as being there, but in perhaps a sense, we are more likely to be transported there um, through through plain words rather than uh, images. Who knows? That's maybe one to discuss for another time. And one more comment here, which I wasn't particularly pleased with uh, on our Twitter feed, which of course you can find out at you should have B1. Yes, you should have, then the letter B and the number one. This is from Ducatista. Blimey, Simon. 
a bit pale for a travel expert um, in response to the uh, picture we've put there. Well, I, th- I think that's a little beyond the pale, if I may. Uh, we must We must get on. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought it was quite funny. And to be fair to our listeners, someone countered that with uh, that shows somebody who is a good travel expert because they clearly make sure that they are protected against the damaging rays of the sun. Ah, yes, that's that's my excuse. And I'm sticking to it. So thank you for that. Yes. Anyway, Simon, from now on, I'm going to rebrand you as the pale traveller. and stale and male while you're at it why not well getting back to the subject which we're supposed to be talking about which is travel breakdowns rebecca sent in her story of a travel breakdown in the indian highlands we were on a 17 hour coach journey although bus might describe it more accurately from delhi to manali And after a few hours, it suddenly stopped and we were all told to get off with very little explanation. Luckily, my brother-in-law, who'd lived in India for many years, remembered that our backpacks were in the baggage section underneath just in time for us to retrieve them before it went off, leaving us all standing in the darkness on the side of the main road from Delhi to the mountains, not knowing what would happen next. Well, you'll be glad to know that another coach did arrive and the uh, journey ended happily for Rebecca and friends. Although you might well have spotted, and I don't know whether you did, Simon, that actually because the coach managed to drive away, it wasn't really technically a breakdown, was it? But still, never mind. I, I, I think it's always good to uh, to get extra stories. Buses seem incredibly prone to this. Just last uh, March, I was in Egypt, which possibly wasn't wise. I wasn't intending to, but I found myself um, travelling across the Sinai Desert by bus, which got about two miles from the uh, bus station before it um, gave up. And yes, it took several hours and lots of clunking and spare vehicles and everything else. But we all eventually we got on our way. I suppose, in a way, they're um, rather safer than some other kinds of uh, breakdown. I mean, you know, plane breakdowns, assuming you're on the ground, are actually quite worrying, um, particularly if you manage to see, as I have done uh, in one or two South American airports, um, uh, the maintenance staff banging away with a very large hammer at uh, the engine trying to uh, make something work. Uh, But I've got something here, Simon, that I hope will speak to you. That sounds to me like a flute from the highlands of Peru. Well, of course, you're right. And uh, I have managed to dig out a recording of our trip to uh, Vilcabamba in Peru. Um, We were trying to find the last city where the last Inca ruler took refuge from the all-conquering conquistadores, the Spanish uh, invaders or explorers, depending on your point of view. Um, now, unusually for an Inca city, old Vilcabamba was in the deepest jungle at a place called Vilcabamba la Vieja. And after the adventure of getting to it and unearthing some ceremonial stones, we had the equal and opposite adventure of getting out of the forest and reconnecting with the modern world, which happened at a place called Quillabamba. Well, I'll let you carry on. 
Then it was off to the bus station, the busiest place we'd seen for a fortnight, where five different companies compete for customers wanting a ride to Cusco across the Pass of the Eagle along one of the world's highest roads. This isn't a journey to be undertaken lightly, so we conducted an inspection of the vehicles that were on offer before buying our tickets. So much for checking the tyres. I don't know if it's our bad luck or what, but of the very few buses we've been on, then two of them have had punctures. This one looks pretty serious. Not least because we're, I would guess, about eight or 9,000 feet up, but because the jack doesn't seem to be working so that when they try and change the tyre, uh, they can't. And also, I'd like to know how many spare wheels they have because it seems to be an occupational hazard round here. Now, is the jack working? That's the key thing. Yeah, it is, isn't it, look? Is it now? Because yeah. uh, somebody's jumping up and down on it trying to get it to work. Well, that's something, then. Um, one of the other buses goes past waving. Bus rival company laughing his head off and waving. Well, the patchwork of rubber that passed as a puncture repair did the trick, and we arrived two hours late but otherwise unscathed in Cusco. <laughs> of things about that bus breakdown. First of all, I'm glad it was going up a hill rather than coming down a hill when it decided to, uh, <laughs> the, the tyre decided to blow. And secondly, of course, it meant that we arrived in the dead of night in Cusco, which is never, ever a good place, a time to arrive in any city. Of course, it's not all about buses. I've been looking at trains, boats and planes. And trains, of course, are incredibly vulnerable to breakdown because the infrastructure is critical. If you're on a bus, you can kind of go round obstacles usually, but a train can't. Um, you have, just in this country, uh, far more signal faders than there should be. You have lorries hitting bridges. Um, and even on the tube, uh, there are simply trains that break down. <laughs> I dug out some statistics which show that on the tube, when things are running normally and presumably when they're running abnormally as well, um, a train gets defective in service every four hours. In terms of planes, <laughs> well, the odd thing is, and I uh, recognise that you never want to see people working on your aircraft with a sledgehammer, but increasingly in Europe, where, of course, aviation is incredibly safe, a breakdown is something that people often welcome because it triggers a windfall. If your flight is more than three hours late, you can, on a trip of um, uh, 900 miles or more, you get compensation ridiculously of about £360. Um, and the other thing about planes is that they are incredibly susceptible, I find, to computers going wrong at airports. You will recall uh, 2018 British Airways computer broke down over the May bank holiday, causing utter chaos for hundreds of thousands of travellers. Um, and just silly things, baggage belts break down 
at airports and that causes immense problems or at least it used to when there were any passengers in significant numbers but of course uh, planes trains and automobiles are uh, the, the big one i think yes i think automobiles are the ones that um, bring about uh, some of the most interesting travel experiences because almost by definition uh, in any traveler's tale of a breakdown it happens in the middle of nowhere uh, and you were talking about um financial compensation that you can get for uh, a plane breakdown well uh, for car breakdown sometimes particularly when you're um, abroad uh, the rewards can be of a very different kind but still very worthwhile um, I was chatting with my son Alec about his gap year trip to Latin America and he told me that one of the most memorable experiences he'd had involved a breakdown well not just one breakdown when when I was in Cuba a little while ago there was this we 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 rented a car we were driving through the arse end of nowhere we did break down we we crashed into a massive pothole as it got dark and uh luckily we decided at the hire car place to choose the only car that had seat belts so that was a start <laughs> and then and then our, our car was like just pissing petrol over the road um and incredibly broke down in, next to the only kind of house within a however many i don't know tens of kilometer radius and they let us in, which is firstly really lovely. They then just sort of looked after us. Some Someone hailed down another car that was driving to the nearest town um, who was then going to come back and speak to the the, uh, the hire car place in that town and uh, sort us out with a, with a replacement somehow. God knows how that all ended up happening. I can't actually remember. Um, but we just sat down with this really lovely family who had a black and white television and I watched my first ever game of baseball. And they made us coffee and it was a really enjoyable experience. And then uh, as it got dark, uh, a, a tow truck arrived and put our car on the back. And there was no there was no space in the cab of the tow truck. So three or four of us. And so we sat in the car that was on top of a tow truck driving through the sort of Cuban jungle, listening to the radio. We could still get the radio on so we could bang out brilliant tunes. And it was this epic moment. And then our tow truck broke down and so <laughs> someone then had to go to the nearest town and get another truck to tow our tow truck with us on the top oh, driving that's a... through the cuban jungle at like kind of two in the morning going this is so insane but it's completely wonderful and you kind of couldn't really write it because it's just weird there wasn't any kind of death or destruction but it was still kind of like we kind of mad like somehow sort of like skirting close to the wind of, of of it all being a bit too much but somehow it being like a just a kind of experience and a, and something that maybe I suppose it comes down to it being something that money can't really buy as in you couldn't really engineer that in advance that could only have happened through this like bizarre set of things taking place at the same time and that felt like that that could have been a sequence in a uh, planes trains and automobiles mark to the caribbean adventure or something it, it, it's a that, that's a very good tale I, it's it's the what kind of makes it really is the fact that you have one breakdown on top of another breakdown which yeah uh, it was a, it was a, a three-tier <laughs> breakdown which is surely unheard of i mean that, it's a three-tier that's right it's three-tier yeah that is nuts uh, but anyway yeah, that, it was a privilege what a lovely thing to have happened to you and you, you, yeah, could, no, and, you could, and you could never have 
that's not a red letter day that you can sort of order off the back of a no that's true and also i mean breakdowns particularly car breakdowns actually and and often not that funny uh and they really are actually quite um uh they're they're quite high on the anxiety but this was stressful <laughs> but, there, but at no point was this was this not not stressful it was like fuck can any does anyone know the spanish for puncture or or uh destroyed fuel tank yeah or sort of like damaged fuel pump does anyone know the spanish for that um does anyone have a mobile phone probably not uh there was it was loads of pressure but i suppose when you we weren't really on a we we didn't have much of a i think because we didn't have a time limit and we weren't rushing anywhere we or if we were we kind of realized that to be honest what's you know it's not the end of the world if we don't get to where we need to go by tomorrow if we sort of just sort of be in that moment a little bit without sounding like a kind of psychology person it kind of made it kind of manageable and then weirdly quite enjoyable oh that's that's yeah maybe that's the ideal story really isn't it in that you something awful happens or something quite or something potentially awful happens uh, and then suddenly it kind of transforms itself into something really good great stuff from alex there and talking of the being in the uh, i think his phrase was arse end of nowhere i was in the ruanzori mountains of uganda at the back end of the 20th century it was um, as idyllic as you could imagine uh, mountain streams swimming across meeting the locals it was great but then it was time to hitch downhill to uh, uh, Kasese, the, the, um, uh, what passed for a, a, a provincial capital in those days. And um, I hitched a car. I was um, one of already many people in, in, in what had, I think, begun life as a Toyota. Um, it was very, very quiet, apart from the chatter in the car. And after a few miles, I realised why, because suddenly the entirely downhill route hit hit an uphill stretch and the reason that this guy picked up so many hitchhikers was because we all had to get out and push the car uphill and it turned out when we got to um Katesi, the car had no engine at all and uh he he was simply going to get a new one and this was the <laughs> most absolutely brilliant. Way of doing it um evidently Evidently, breakdown services like the AA are thin on the ground there. Luckily, not here. And for you should have been there, I've been speaking to Edmund King, who's the president of the Automobile Association. And he's been telling me how to prevent breakdowns, of course, apart from making sure you have an engine. Generally, what we say to people, think flour, fuel, lights, oil, water, electrics, rubber. Now, to be more concise, there are three things you can do. Number one is battery. Batteries go flat when you don't use your car. So what we actually advise is actually start up your car at least once a week, leave it running, but don't leave it unattended for 15 to 20 minutes. And that recuperates the battery. Or You can actually use one of your essential trips, maybe going to the supermarket, using your car to recharge it. Second, brakes. When you're running the engine, just move the car forward and backwards slightly because brakes can seize if the car's left on the driveway. It's not 
being used. And thirdly, tyres. Check your tyre pressures. Check the wear and tear on your tyres, because again, when your car's not being used, they can become underinflated. So if you're going to do three simple things, it is battery, brakes and tyres. Now, I know that you've driven around the UK, pretty much everywhere across America, around the world. Um, what's the worst breakdown you've had? <laughs> oh, the worst breakdown I've had, it, it probably in Germany, in my MGB, <laughs> in the middle of, yeah, middle of nowhere. Um, but, but luckily, and this was a long, long time ago, luckily... My dad was always a member of the AA, so I did actually have AA cover, and the AA linked in with the uh, ADAC, the German Automobile Club. But it was quite a challenge for the Germans on this old MGB to work out the starter motor, but they did get it going, so it got me on my way. Well, that's very useful advice from Edmund King, and I'd like to add a little bit more. When driving on bad roads, make sure you have the right car. Uh, this covers from uh, bitter experience on the RN40, the Ruta Nacional 40, or just Ruta 40, which is the longest road in Argentina and one of the longest in the world. It's uh, more than 5,000 kilometres and goes pretty well the whole length of the very long country of Argentina. And uh, some of it is not tarmacked, not paved, such as the uh, 150 kilometre stretch in the northwest of the country uh, between the lovely wine producing town of Cafayate and the even lovelier tiny town of Cachi, which also produces very good white wine. Now, my partner, Steph, and I were driving along this stretch, which is called Ripio. Uh, and uh, beware the word Ripio if you ever see it in a, uh, in a guidebook about Argentina, because it means dirt road. But quite frankly, this was more like, uh, I don't know, the surface of the moon on a bad day. And uh, uh, we were driving along anyway in, unfortunately, the cheapest rental car we could get hold of. Um, and I did wish that we pushed the boat out and got a four-wheel drive, when after five hours of bumping and jolting on this horrendously uh, rutted surface, in really serious heat, and of course the air conditioning didn't work, uh, we eventually stopped in a village called Molinos. Very hot, very hungry, and aware that something was not right with the car. It was completely deserted. There were a few houses there was didn't appear to be any shops or cafes or places to stay or any amenities and then suddenly we saw a young man with a young woman two people walking along with a dog and suddenly from this kind of peace of nothingness and just sun and emptiness like a deserted um, village in the wild west uh, there's a guy shouting at us and waving his arms and uh, so we stopped we got out and looked at our car and saw that the we had a tire in shreds and it also looked as if the wheel was uh, not a round shape anymore 
Well, of course, that was my fault for having driven for quite a long way with a punctured tyre. But honestly, I defy anyone to have realised that the tyre was punctured. So bad was the road. Um, Anyway, but what seemed like an absolute disaster turned into what felt like a a miracle because this uh, of this young couple, the guy uh, just happened to be uh, a garage mechanic um, and was able to sort everything out with the car. And the young woman uh, happened to have her parents living about five metres from where we'd stopped the car who plied us with refreshments and made us comfortable and welcome and, uh, you know, offered lots of human kindness. And, uh, well, the whole family was very generous and sorted all our problems out. No country for small cars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, Steph's right that the um, miracle was, uh, apart from the fact that uh, we were incredibly well treated by the few people who were in this place um, that the only place open in that one horse town was a car repair workshop well it's hardly surprising given the uh, condition of the road that you have uh, so splendidly described <laughs> fair point <laughs> now, we welcome of course all your comments about uh, breakdowns you may have had uh, do tweet them to at you should have b one that's you should have letter b number one and we will bring the best to you next week and um, when we will be celebrating if that's the right word australia day now as the airlines emirates decides to cut some of their few remaining links to that country and of course the uk um, from this week is cutting itself off a little more from the world this could be the closest you get to australia all year do tweet us with your australian highlights and lowlights and uh, perhaps you might want to speculate on when once again a normal tourist, a normal traveller will be able to set foot from the UK on Australian territory. Um, but for now, from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.